Still remember where I was in an office about 20 feet that way when I heard that President Trump's Mar-a-Lago compound was raided by the FBI. Do you remember where you were? This is, this is still going on, folks, and hopefully, hopefully, the president will get some relief from the Supreme Court. His lawyers just filed for relief from the United States Supreme Court. Maybe they will finally give President Trump a fair shake because nobody else in the government or the mainstream media certainly are doing that. And uh, you know what? Maybe the Supreme Court or some other wonderful entity will figure out what Chuck Schumer meant when he said this. He's taking these shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence Let me tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What a strange thing to say. Why would the intelligence community take their revenge on somebody they didn't like? Would they do that? Because that could harm the country. When did Chuck Schumer say that? Look at the date. January 3rd, 2017. President Trump was President-elect Trump at that point, hadn't even taken office, and they were raring to go to get the Russia stuff going, the Ukraine phone call to catch him, to catch him. But it did not work. It did not work, and that drives them crazy. Stay tuned on this uh, SCOTUS development. The president did nothing wrong. President Trump did nothing wrong. The Presidential Records Act is fairly straightforward. There is no criminal enforcement of it. He does have the discretion to declassify things. And he, actually, he also can take whatever he wants. There is a, an immense amount of discretion under the PRA. Stay tuned. He is being harassed. No doubt about it. Just like before. In the meantime, politics, politics will break your heart. Politics will break your heart. That was uttered by George Romney, Mitt Romney's father, a long time ago. More on that in a bit. But you know what Herschel Walker is going through and his son Christian? This is, uh, yeah, there's Christian having a meltdown about his father. Doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I support Herschel Walker. I love the guy. And in the family, dirty laundry, I don't want to hear it. And certainly at this point, it's very, very suspicious. You know, Christian Walker is not without talent. I mean, he's a bit flamboyant. I mean, that's part of his branding, I think. But he's also quite conservative, and he's not afraid to take on liberals. He does it all the time. He's an internet sensation. Take a look. Joe Biden is all of the things the media said Donald Trump was. Divisive, unhinged, and out of his mind. Liberals are all about the talking points. They love acting like they're better. Oh, just let everyone in. Let everyone do whatever they want. Defund the police. Then when it affects their neighborhood, they're big Republicans. Build the wall. We want security. We love police. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Please stop calling everyone a this type of phobic and a that phobe and a this this and a I'm not a phobe. I just don't put up with insanity. Please keep your rainbow stuff away from children. Please. Oh, yes. That, that's what type of phobic I am. I'm indoctrination of kids phobic. That's what I am. I like it. I like it, actually. I like the content. I'm wondering about him, though, because if he were on the left saying leftist type things like that, he'd be just another nut job on TikTok. Being conservative has actually provided him with a, a space, a niche. And it's one of the reasons why he's popular. I follow him on social media. It's interesting stuff. And now he's turned against his own father. This is sad. 
It happens in families. It's ugly. It's heartbreaking. And he's doing it. Family values, people. He has four kids, four different women, wasn't in the house raising one of them. He was out having sex with other women. Do you care about family values? Well, again, dirty laundry. Families go through some stuff. Nobody's perfect. Um, but I do know that Christian Walker was there supporting his father. He was. Look at how proudly he stood at the, at the podium. I think this was at the campaign launch down in Mar-a-Lago. This kid is into it, totally into it. And look at this nice moment he has right after he introduces his dad. That's kind of nice. That's really nice. And um, I think Christian made a terrible mistake. I do. From the Daily Beast, pro-life Herschel Walker paid for girlfriend's abortion. I'm sorry, but they don't have it. They don't have it. You know what they have? They have an allegation from an anonymous person from 2009. And what do they have also? A get well card. <laughs> A get well card uh, that seems to be signed by Herschel. All right. They talk about a check, but we don't see the check. They talk about a receipt for an abortion, but we don't see the receipt for the abortion. I don't believe this. This is an effort, a desperate effort. This is their attempt at an October surprise. You want to know why this is happening? Here we go. All right. Because Walker is running in one of the most important races in the country and the outcome could determine which party controls the Senate. Next, it's also one of the closest races in the country, with recent polls showing Walker just behind his Democrat opponent, incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock. And also, and this is important, Walker claims he is a devout Christian, and he often invokes his faith to justify his anti-abortion position, including on the campaign trail. Aha. Uh -huh. Anti-Christian bias. I believe that. I believe that. And there is no perfect person. No way. Everybody has a past. And I don't know uh, what was going down in 2009. I know I'm not the same person I was in 2009. Are you? It was Herschel Walker. You know, Herschel's team tried to find out who is this person. They wouldn't even tell them. Ingram, who's a lawyer for Herschel, asked the Daily Beast to disclose the identity of the woman. But we declined. Now, what kind of scam is this? You know, I've got grave doubts about Christine Blasey Ford. She had no evidence whatsoever, but at least she had a name. All right. She had a name and a face and she's a person and she actually said something. I didn't believe it, but she said something. This doesn't even have that. You know what? My favorite part of this whole story, though, Herschel Walker's reaction. You know what he put out there? I love my son no matter what. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing amid all this turmoil. Now, his opponents, interesting that um, all the October surprises, they want them to be about Republicans. But what about Democrats? Because Raphael Warnock, I mean, he's we have proof. Here he is in body cam footage trying to explain to a cop that he did not hurt his wife. But his wife tells another story. Watch. This man's running for the United States Senate, and all he cares about right now is his reputation. I work at the mayor's office, and okay. this is a big problem. Okay. I've been trying to be very quiet about the way that he is for the sake of my kids and his reputation, but I've tried to keep the way that he acts under wraps for a long time, and today he crossed the line. That woman's very upset. She says that she was almost run over. In fact, Warnock, she alleges, just ran over her foot.
Listen to this. And he just starts backing the car up. And he wasn't going fast. Like, I'm not, I'm not bleeding, but I just can't believe he would run me over. Wow. Wow. And not only that, looks like he might be a deadbeat dad, Raphael Warnock. Uh, yeah, an official papers. Let's go to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, his hometown's paper. Warnock's ex-wife takes legal action over child custody. And uh, it reads as follows. U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock's ex-wife is seeking changes to their child custody arrangement in court documents that claim he's in willful contempt of the agreement. Wow. What they're saying about Herschel Walker seems to be very true about Raphael Warnock. And here's another reason why they can't stand Herschel Walker. He's for Trump. I pray every night that God gives him more time. Give him four more years. He has accomplished so much almost all by himself on a constant attack. But there's still more work to be done. If you love America and want to make it better, Donald Trump is your president. He's my president, and I'm blessed to call him friend. You know what? There is something about conservatives, especially black conservatives, that get under the skin of crazy liberals. They go bananas, and they will stop at nothing. I don't think this is going to stop Herschel Walker. I don't. But this has got to be tough. And what did I say at the top? Politics will break your heart. And this is, was uttered by George Romney, Mitt Romney's father. You know, he tried running for president. It did not work out. Of course, Mitt Romney ran for president. It did not work out. I really think it's going to work out for Herschel Walker. I hope so. Herschel Walker's going for it. He's all in. I'm hopeful of that. And I'm also hopeful that someday there's a reconciliation between Herschel and his son, Christian. Uh, Christian's got real talent. So does Herschel. And um, anyway... I wish them both the best. We'll be right back. So this is Professor Maitland Jones of New York University. At least he used to be. He was fired. Why was he fired? He taught chemistry, and apparently he was not passing his failing students. Yeah, students were really upset that he was not giving them better grades, and they signed a petition, and they got the university to get rid of him. Take a look at this from the New York Times. Students said the high-stakes course, notorious for ending many a dream of medical school, was too hard, blaming Dr. Jones for their poor test scores. So uh, organic chemistry in pre-med is supposed to be hard because we can't have doctors who don't understand chemistry and things at the molecular level, all right? It's like that at a lot of universities. But something changed over the years. Not Dr. Jones, Professor Jones. The students changed, according to him, and I really think he's onto something here. Uh, look at this. About a decade ago, Dr. Jones said in an interview, he noticed a loss of focus among the students. Even as more of them enrolled in his class, hoping to pursue medical careers, um, students were misreading exam questions at an astonishing rate. He wrote in a grievance to the university, protesting his termination. Grades fell, even as he reduced the difficulty of his exams. Next, it says the problem was exacerbated by the pandemic, he said. In the last two years, they fell off a cliff. We now see single-digit scores and even zeros. After several years of COVID learning loss, the students not only didn't study, 
They didn't seem to know how to study, Dr. Jones said. He's been doing this for decades, but it's interesting. A decade ago, he started to see a real decline. Not Kids weren't concentrating anymore. Could it have anything to do with the smartphone, right? The explosion of the smartphone? Look, the chemists from decades ago, I think, had an advantage. Sure, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have computers, supercomputers at their fingertips, but they had the ability to concentrate and tune out the world. I don't think we have that anymore. Dr. Jones is now out of a job. Now, I will say this. It seems like, was he teaching in an old-fashioned way? And this applies to all teachers. You know, you ever notice the way a classroom is set up? You got the teacher in the front, and you got all the students at the university. They got those special amphitheater classes. Um, It's interesting. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I've ever learned something by just listening to someone, especially now with all the distractions. You know, the classroom hasn't really changed in hundreds of years. Take a look at this one from, I think this is from 1915. Students are all in the same room listening to someone. Does that work? I don't know. Are there changes happening that need to happen in the education system? Maybe it's something we should look at. Oh, also this. We all know about the crime problem nationally and in Chicago. Take a look at this guy, Carrie Mamola, arrested at least 40 times, 15 of those In the last year, in the last year, he's been arrested 15 times. February 16th, assault, uh, stealing stuff, uh, trespassing, you name it. This guy's done it. Uh, Whatever happened to three strikes and you're out? Uh, This guy needs an intervention, right? And uh, yeah, a lot of trespassing. But as we get closer to where we are now, gosh, damage to property. I mean, don't they... Well, what's next here? Oh, I think he starts uh, threatening people in the, the drugstore. Yep. And, uh, and stealing stuff, assaulting at people at the drugstore. And before this year, 25 arrests over the past seven years. He's uh, really picked up the pace, though, in 2022. Um, crazy. I mean, not amusing, not amusing. Oh, well, I don't know. But this is tragic. This is tra- a wig store. Um, you know, wigs are... <laughs> They're, they're very intricate. They can be. This man, Tommy Lee, 56 years old, owned a wig shop in Los Angeles for 20 years, immigrant from South Korea, stabbed to death, stabbed to death. Two teens tried to rob his store. He chased the pair down the street. He was stabbed in the heart. And we have the moments just before it happens. The victim has been identified as 56-year-old Du Lee. LAPD says he was arguing with a man and woman when one of them pulled out a knife and stabbed the victim multiple times. It happened shortly after one Saturday afternoon near Wall Street and Olympic Boulevard. And there he goes down, stabbed in the heart. As to who allegedly did it, yeah, teenagers, um, a couple, boyfriend, girlfriend. These two in handcuffs are the suspects. Boyfriend and girlfriend, both 17, blurred because they're minors. Investigators say they went in to steal a wig from Tommy's shop that's now closed and lined with flowers. How long will it be until they're out on bail, you wonder, huh? So we have this horrible, horrible crime situation. And Kamala Harris, the vice president, is still laughing it up, not taking things at all seriously. That's uh, that's what she does. She's just kind of uh, not a serious person. And you know who kind of anticipated this? Hollywood. There was a show called Veep, 
with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And uh, she was basically in the show, uh, you know, an airhead accidental vice president who has no business being that close to the presidency. And it's amazing. It really is amazing when you look back at that show, how close it is to the life of Kamala Harris. Now, some clever people put together clips of Kamala and uh, the, the Veep and Veep on HBO. And here are the results. My fellow Americans, words have many meanings, and sometimes instead of conveying our meaning, they can suggest other meanings. When we talk about the children of the community, they are a children of the community. Well, we are the United States of America because we are united. And we are states. Um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. Whatever we have in store cannot be known. The past was once the future. The future is, I should say, unknown. We got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. Obesity is a serious disease, and it needs to be taken seriously. You need to get to go, and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. I hope that clarifies the issue, and this can be the last word on those words. Certain issues are just settled. Clearly we're not. No, that's right, and that's why I do believe that we are living sadly, in um, real unsettled times. Oh, 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 and Veep went off the air three years ago in 2019. Did they nail it or what? An accident? All right. Hey, Kanye West, he wore that shirt to the uh, fashion uh, show in Paris, White Lives Matter, White Lives Matter. I quite frankly didn't think twice about it. I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't have a problem with that. Oh, boy. <laughs> They're accusing him of a hate crime. No kidding. We'll be right back. Is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Oh, boy, the fake news. Uh, poor Kanye West. Uh, you know, he's an interesting guy. And he's an artist. And good for him. He's always kind of pushing the envelope. Although I didn't think this was really pushing the envelope. Did you see what he did in Paris? That's Candace Owens in the white shirt. That's the back of Kanye in the black shirt. And what does it say? White lives matter. Okay, I get it. I'm totally fine with that. Oh, boy, the liberal media. Look at them totally lose their minds. The New York Times. There is no excuse for Yee's. I guess he goes by Yee now. White Lives Matter shirt. There is no excuse. How dare you wear that shirt? This is what they write. Talk about people who are out of touch. This is their fashion person. And it reads as follows, that Kanye West wants to see how far he can go and doesn't really care about or think about the collateral damage in the meantime, including to those children singing at his feet, despite the violence, this could feed. A shirt with White Lives Matter could feed violence. There are some people who say this is a hate crime. That's crazy stuff. It's in the story there. And then, let's see, uh, I think, was it Vogue magazine? They had something to say. This woman is the editor. I guess, what is she, the, the next Anna Winter? She called this indefensible behavior, indefensible behavior. You know why they don't like Kanye? It's kind of like with Herschel Walker, because he's cool with Trump. All right. He's cool with Trump. Remember this? Oh boy. This is uh, unforgivable sin, indefensible behavior, if you will. All right. We have a major problem in New York City 
and it's this guy, a clueless, very dumb person who is the mayor, officially, I guess, and he doesn't know anything, but he fools a lot of people. By seeming to sound reasonable, he cons people um, like this. I don't know if you have really picked up what's happening. The far right is doing the wrong thing. The far left is doing nothing. I mean, the silence, I don't believe the silence that I'm hearing. These are people in need of services. And I am not hearing from the two ends of the spectrum. Far right is doing what's wrong. Far left is doing nothing at all. It is time for us to address this in a unified um, way. Oh, wow. Doesn't that sound amazing? Let's find a middle ground. Now, this is the stuff he talks about all the time to certain groups on certain days. Doesn't really mean it. Doesn't know anything. And when you're not looking and it's actually time for him to work, he doesn't know how to do it. All right. Now he's talking about the migration crisis because we got a couple of thousand uh, from the border up here in New York. What do they do? They built a tent city for them. Okay, a tent city. This gave him an excuse to not focus on crime, which is a real problem here in New York. More on that in a moment. But they built up a tent city, a very expensive, by the way. I mean, it's a lot of moving parts. And but here's the here's the ridiculous part. We had to point out to him that. Uh, you made this tent city right next to a beach, right next to water. Do you know what happens when you're that close to a beach around this time of year? So guess what? <laughs> they're moving it. They had to dismantle the whole damn thing, and they're moving it to higher ground farther away from the beach. But boy, he looked great in that suit, didn't he? And he sounded so reasonable. Oh, the left is crazy. The right is crazy. Let's find the middle ground. That will fool a lot of people. The devil is often in the details, and this guy is not up to it. And our city, by the way, like most of the country, is totally out of control. Out of control. I mean, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is horrendous stuff. Uh, the axe man going crazy. I mean, uh, oh, these green people. Did you hear about the green people? <laughs> they put on crazy green suits and, and started beating up young women and girls on the subway. And yes, the axe man. And that inc incredible hero, the EMT, stabbed to death, stabbed to death on the sidewalk while getting lunch. And this man, this man doesn't know where to set up a tent. But boy, oh boy, he loves throwing those press conferences. All right. I got one more thing to do here. The lawsuit that President Trump is waging against um, CNN. I think it's great. I think it's great. Now, CNN has been getting under his skin for a long time and with good reason. Since you're, no, Mr. President-elect, since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you, not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization You are attacking terrible. our news organization. Your organization Can you give us a chance Let's to go. ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can Quiet. you state, Mr. President-elect, can she's, you state categorically, Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? Don't be rude. You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you no, give I'm us a question? I'm not going to give you a question. Can you state categorically? You are fake news. Sir, go ahead. All right. Yeah. Not off to a good start with CNN. Uh, they never gave him the benefit of the doubt. They were always uh, they were always trying to screw him. But the worst was after Charlottesville. Remember when they lied about him, how they lied about him relentlessly all the time. He uttered those six words, the most disgraceful words the president spoken in my lifetime. Very fine people on both sides. There are very fine people on both sides. In fact, it's interesting 
Dana, that that's one of the reasons that Joe Biden got into the race with mm -hmm. the the racial rhetoric of President Trump. There are also not both sides or many sides to what President Trump said today. There's only one side. It was wrong. It wasn't presidential. And he has got to begin to try to find a way to heal this. He's shown no inclination to do that. Okay. All right. That guy's going to tell President Trump how to run the country. Um, but anyway, it doesn't matter because they're all lying about what really happened uh, because he called out white supremacists and neo-Nazis. There are people I know who don't know about this part of the footage. What really happened that day? You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Absolutely right. And there are good people on both sides of the issue about these Confederate war statues. In America, you can be a totally good person and believe that, gosh, these things are offensive to me. It reminds me of slavery. Are we still celebrating slavery? I mean, I, I, I'm offended by that. I, I, I understand that point of view. I personally disagree with it. If you erase history, you might repeat it. There are a million reasons to preserve even the dark parts of our history. All right. Uh, and that's a valid point of view. It is. But they're trying to make us feel like we're somehow radicals, extremists. We're not. And as for the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists and the skinheads and those idiots, they're in their own weird, horrible category. And he made that clear. And they all lied about it or ignored the truth. What a shame. Hey, stay with us. We got uh, Dick Morris and one of Donald Trump's most trusted aides that you may never have heard of, but he's one of the most important people in America. Stay with us. Well, the swamp, Washington, D.C., it's actually physically very, very beautiful. <laughs> the swamp is beautiful, at least the buildings are. The people, though, not so much. Consume with power, money, status. And that silly, dopey Cafe Milano, it's a restaurant where they all like to hang out and talk about how important they are. You'd be surprised how little the swamp actually cares about the country. A lot of folks just not that into it. So I'd like to uh, show you something. Donald Trump, when he was president, walking with a man. You see the guy on the right there? His name is John McEntee. He was a former aide to President Trump. He was a director of White House personnel at some point and grew to become very, very close to the president, a very trusted advisor with, by the way, a great deal of power. Now, he spoke to Breitbart News. We love the people at Breitbart. And John McEntee says that many political appointees are weak who cuck under left-wing pressure. Inside the story, it reads, a lot of political appointees are just going through the motions rather than actively undermining an agenda, the left agenda. They're just going along to get along. They're just doing whatever the civil service says. What a disappointment. Oh, more. The bigger problem is making sure people are actually active when they're pro-Trump and actually want to do the agenda part instead of the re resume. I got a White House souvenir part. 
Wow. That is suspicions confirmed. John McEntee joins us right now. He's involved in a new endeavor. It's a very special dating app. More on that in a moment. But John McEntee, welcome. That was quite a piece. You let him have it. Welcome, first of all. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm pretty good. How are you? Terrific. You know, um, tell us a little bit more about that. The people you say they were Trump believers, they liked the agenda, but they got wishy-washy and scared and nervous when the pressure got intense. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I think um, there's been well-documented people at high levels that were undermining President Trump. And luckily, a lot of those people are out now, right? So that won't be a problem going forward. President Trump accomplished a lot in the first term. He'll accomplish even more in the second term. But the bigger problem is when you have these three or 4,000 political appointees it's not that they're undermining President Trump or that they're anti-Trump. It's that they're pro-Trump in a superficial way. They want to do the fun stuff. They want to build their resume. They want to go to the White House Christmas party. But they don't want to do the agenda part. The agenda part's hard. They're from D.C. They don't want to upset, you know, the status quo. What we need to do the next time, which we will do, is recruit from outside of D.C., get strong-willed people that are all in on the agenda part. And I think we'll have tremendous success. That's very interesting. And by the way, a lot of these folks, they're not ready for the criticism. And if you can withstand the criticism like President Trump does day in and day out, it, it doesn't mean anything to him. And I think that's actually an advantage. People make fun of me on Twitter. It doesn't matter. It genuinely doesn't matter. Aren't people traumatized down there when they get the job? Let's say they want to do the right thing. I mean, they're scared, right? They, they don't know. They've never felt that kind of heat before. <laughs> they are absolutely terrified. And like you said, President Trump is the model. We should all be following his lead. He never bends the knee. So I think these people get in these positions. They're not ready for the pressure. And they sort of just go along with whatever the civil service wants. That's not good. You know, those people have been there forever. The bureaucracy or what's known as the deep state, it's not that it's out of a Jason Bourne movie. It's just the DMV on steroids. You can't get anything done. It's very bureaucratic. But if you have strong-willed people at the top, they'll be able to get things done. That happened on several occasions in the Trump administration. There were people that got a lot done. And I think they'll get a lot more done the next time around. John, if you listen to the language, the tenor of the swamp, it's always about, you know, the men and women of the Treasury Department, the men and women of the FBI, the men and women of the Agriculture Department, the glorification of these people. And they're good people, but they're, nobody elected them. They are to serve the electeds. And that tenor, that language, it really does seem designed to intimidate, to kind of stamp down the notion that the people are in charge through their elected representatives. You know what I mean? Like that, that men and women, that somehow you go there to serve them rather than the other way around. Yeah, the, the president's elected. We all work for him. I think if we get people that know they're going in and treating it more like a tour, that they're doing their year or their two years and they're going back home after, I think that's a totally different mindset. I think a person that goes in knowing they're doing they're doing they're going there to do a job. They're going there to do the best they can for the president and the country and the administration. I think that person will have success. All right. 
Well, there are like three jobs I would be interested in. Deputy Secretary of Defense. And uh, let's see, what else do I want to do? Because I can take the heat. I can take the all right, you're not you're not biting, and that's okay, John. We'll talk if we ever get to that. We'll get you on the list, okay. <laughs> John. Do me a favor. Um, tell us about the right stuff. How's it going so far? You were here once before. A dating app for conservatives. I think we have a. Uh, I think we have something. I think we have an image of what it looks like. People can download this, and find like-minded individuals online. Tell us a little bit about it. It's going great. It's live in the app store. Anyone can download it and make a profile. We'll be unlocking it next week. The goal is to find other conservatives. It's hard for us all to move one to one place, but we can move to one place digitally. This will make it a lot easier to find each other. I encourage everyone to download it. Um, by the way, how do you guys make money on this kind of stuff? Is there is it is it advertising? Is it uh... it's it's totally free to use, but there is a premium subscription if you want to do a little bit more, and that's nine ninety nine a month, which is the the least expensive option of any platform. And that's just for the men. If girls want a premium subscription, they just invite two friends. So girls never pay on our app. Uh, that's, that's cool. That's, 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 that's the way I would set it up. I like it. Hey, I want to see that picture of John with the president of the United States, if you don't mind. Go ahead and put it up. And John, after you were on the last time talking about the app, uh, and people notice you and all this stuff. Uh, they want to know if you're on the app, if you are, what is your status? It's not me asking, it's them. It's uh, various <laughs> staffers around here. So I will what... be very active on the app. We have a feature where you can post dates. I'll be posting one almost every day. Anyone can like it and we'll be going from there. You can join me. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. All right. So you, you, but you're, you're looking for love, right? You're, you're single and I'm looking uh, for love. Oh, right. I'm looking for love. Well, download the right stuff app, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, see what happens. Thank you very much. Once again, John McEntee, founder and CEO of the right stuff and former aide to president Trump. Uh, very, very trust. Hey, what was, what was it like? Um, you know, one more thing. There, there are some news accounts that said you were essentially with president Trump, the two of you running the government in the final months. Is that an overstatement? I mean, or did it feel like well, you were in the driver's the government. seat? He's running the government. I was doing everything I could to assist him. I think he did a lot of good. He was really fun to work with. I would love to do it again. Yeah, you'd be terrific. And we hope it happens. We hope you have that opportunity. And don't worry, I was only kidding about the deputy secretary of defense, okay? I don't have to do that job. I we'll don't want that something. job. All we'll right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John McEntee, everybody. We'll be right back. Well, there he is, the world-famous Dick Morris, advisor to presidents, political consultant, political genius, and author of the new must-read book, uh, let's see, The Return, Trump's big 2024 comeback. Uh, get it, get it. It's doing great. It's a hot book. President Trump loved it. Welcome back, Dick. Hey, I got to ask you, Hillary Clinton, number one, she's running, isn't she? Yes. Did she have a pulse? Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What'd you say about a pulse? She has a pulse. She's running. All right. Tell us, uh, tell us what that's going to look like. Well, uh, I think that Hillary is oddly using the same playbook that I that I wrote for Bill Clinton in 1982. It's in my book, The Return. My concept to Bill was go out to the Democrats and say, hey, look, you tried Mondale in 84 and you lost. You tried Dukakis in 88 and you lost. 
in 92, move to the center and nominate me and I'll reform welfare, I'll balance the budget, and I'll be a centrist Democrat. And he won. And now I think Hillary is waiting until they lose Congress next month. And then she's going to come to them and say, hey, look, you lost the House, you lost the Senate. You're going to lose the White House in 24 unless you move to the center and nominate me like my husband. I'll be a centrist. And the proof that she's doing that is that a couple, two weeks ago, she said Americans do not support open borders. And Bill, a few days ago, said, I think we've reached the limit of the number of people we can absorb in the United States. Both sentiments that are, are centrist in the Democratic yeah. Party and against the left. And I think that's how she's planning to do it. All right. Listen, I got to we uh, chatted a little while ago. Uh, let me put up uh, Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin. You say at this uh, interesting moment in time, these guys actually have something in common. There's something uh, they have <laughs> mutual goals, perhaps. How's that going to explain, please? Well, they're both backed into a corner. They're black bats are against the wall. Uh, Biden, because he's losing an election, and Putin, because of the losing the war in the Ukraine. And they both need a massive distraction and a place where they can look good. And I think that it's a bilateral wag the dog. Uh, I think that Putin is threatening nuclear action so he can get attention, so he looks strong, so he looks forceful to the Russian people, so he can give an answer to those who feel he was too weak and want to throw him out. And I think that Biden wants to stand tough and strong against Putin so that he can compensate for how terrible he usually looks and uh, say, I'm not weak, I'm fine, I'm on top of my game. Look at me standing against Putin. All right. Rally around the president. And I think it's a bilateral wag the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Bilateral wag the dog, which a movie I never saw. Everybody talks about wag the dog. I've never actually sat down and watched it. Did you? When I went there for a screening, an advanced screening, Mm. De Niro came over to me and he said, you know, I play you. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe the late Anne Heche was in that movie as well. All right, Dick. Hey, real quick, your read on DeSantis. DeSantis, obviously he's talented. He's a good governor. What's next for him? 2028. He can count. He knows that Trump is ahead of him by 50 points in the polling at this point. He's not running. Trump is going to win this nomination unanimously by acclamation. He'll be the first guy nominated for president who is not an immediate incumbent president who wins without opposition. He's got a lock on the nomination. All right, Dick Morris, check out that book again, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. Oh, boy, it's going to be great. Dick Morris, thank you very much, and we'll be right back. Hey, it could be on again. Elon Musk could get Twitter after all, after all this stuff. I don't quite frankly understand the uh, the very complex business negotiations that have been taking place around this. Uh, I know that Elon Musk was turned off by all the bot and phony accounts within Twitter. Twitter was trying to say it was you know, more than it was. Maybe they can get a fair price. Look, he seems to be committed to free speech and maybe, just maybe, bringing President Trump back on the platform Remember when this happened? This was, this was crazy. This was, this was a shock. I remember. I could not believe they did it. 
So he should be back on that platform, and we should be able to say whatever the hell it is we want to say, quite frankly. All right? <laughs> you can say things. Remember, they, they, they didn't let us talk about the laptop. They didn't let us talk about the laptop. They said it was Russia disinformation. Now we know. I also want to remind folks of this. You know, there's a fundamental misunderstanding about January 6th. I hear all the time, mainstream media, they say that uh, Trump supporters were there to stop the electoral count. They wanted to stop the counting of electoral votes. No, they got it all wrong. Those protesters, I believe, were let inside, not to stop the counting, but to stop the objections, the objections to the electoral count that were being successfully heard. Now, I want to go back to, let's see, 2017. 2017, January 6, 2017. This is Jamie Raskin objecting to the electoral count. He's objecting to Vice President Biden. He wants to stop it. He's got problems with uh, what happened in Florida. He says there were irregularities. The problem for Jamie Raskin, he could not get a senator to join him. You need a senator to join you, and it has to be in writing. This is all under the Electoral Count Act of 1887. So he couldn't make that happen. All the way back in 2000, members of the Congressional Black Caucus stood up one by one to raise objections about the electoral count. They thought what happened in Florida was unfair. But none of these members of the House of Representatives could get a U.S. senator to sign on with them. So their objections went nowhere. Fast forward to January 26th of 2021. Members of Congress were able to get the senators to join up with them. The first, Paul Gosar and Ted Cruz, they couldn't do it since 1887, I think, something like that. They did it this time. Take a look. I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what purpose Fort, does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. Uh, is the objection in writing and signed by a senator? Yes, it is. It is. The protesters were let in to stop that, okay? That happened at 1.12 in the afternoon. 1.12 in the afternoon. What happened uh, later that afternoon? Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed. What time was that? At 2.44. You can't have objections at that point. All right? You see what happened here? Thanks for watching. I'll see you tomorrow night. All the best.